Welcome, I'm Anastasia Glova, and you're listening to the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, April 3rd. On March 26th, Cato scholar Jim Harper testified before the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs about the ugly realities of the Real ID Act, signed into law in 2005. For today's podcast, Jim explains why the Real ID Act is not only flawed, but completely misguided. The Real ID Act came about as a response to a strong recommendation by the 9-11 Commission. So why are you opposed to it? Well, I have to reject the premise of your question, I'm sorry to say. Uh, In fact, Real ID uh, stripped out and replaced identification security provisions that were found in the Intelligence Reform and Terrorism Prevention Act. Now, that was the product of the 911 Commission, but it's important to understand that the 911 Commission devoted about three-quarters of a page in its 400-page report to the question of secure IDs and birth certificates and things like that. So it was a weak recommendation of the 911 Commission that was stripped out and replaced with Real ID. So we're quite a ways away from 911 Commission and national security with the Real ID Act. Then what is the Real ID Act meant to accomplish? Well, the idea is for the Real ID Act to make our driver's licenses and state-issued identification cards more secure for alleged security benefits in response to terrorism. And it's also, I think, intended sub rosa to reduce illegal immigration. That's the real support for it seems to come from folks who oppose illegal immigration. So the idea is that if our identities are more carefully checked by state DMVs, The possession of an ID card will prove that we're somehow more secure as to the society. What are the costs of implementation for this law? Well, the costs of implementation are very high and growing. Earlier, the National Conference of State Legislators estimated that Real ID would cost about $11 billion to implement. The Department of Homeland Security came out with regulations just recently, which did a cost-benefit analysis of merit in some respects, and that estimated that the net present cost of Real ID would be about $17 billion, 50% higher than what the NCSL had put forward. That's monetary costs. and doesn't include the privacy costs and security risks that are created. What are the privacy issues that arise out of compliance with this law? Well, there are a number of different privacy consequences from different elements of this proposal or this law. One is that state DMVs would be required to collect and hold a great deal more information about us, including scanned copies of the documents that we present. So a birth certificate that you take down to the DMV to get your driver's license, that would be scanned in and kept in a state database, as well as any other information. A real treasure trove for identity thieves, should they be able to access this. And we all know well that governments and corporations alike uh, have a lot of data security problems these days. Putting this information onto the card in a machine-readable format is another requirement of the Real ID Act. And under the regulations put forward by DHS, uh, we would have a 2D barcode. It's like the barcode that you see in your grocery store, but a little more high-tech and technical. A 2D barcode on the back of your driver's license would have not only the information on the front of the license, but additional information at the discretion of the state. With a national uniform system, you're much more likely to see requests for scanning of that ID. We've got 50, 56 different IDs in the country now, and they aren't scanned very often. But just like when the railroads in the United States were standardized on the same gauge of track, more rail transportation happened, people and goods alike. With a single uniform machine-readable barcode system on driver's licenses, you're going to see a lot more data collected. Those are just two of the important privacy concerns, and there are a lot more. In your testimony, you say that the prospect of identifying individuals based on race is, your word is, sickening. Is the race issue one of the chief reasons that you are opposed to a real ID? 
Well, no, I actually just recently discovered the race issue in going deep into the regulations and the specifications that they adopt. I'm opposed to Real ID because it doesn't provide sufficient security. It doesn't provide national security. It has these privacy consequences and other costs. And only just recently discovered that among the items of data that could be in this machine-readable zone are race and ethnicity. Now, each state may have adopted this in the past for appropriate or semi-appropriate internal reasons, but when you have a national uniform card that may include race and ethnicity, you've got to think over the horizon and look at examples of the use of identification cards in history, in Nazi Germany, in the Soviet Union, apartheid South Africa, and even recently in Rwanda, ID card systems were used to control the populace, to divide the populace, and particularly in Rwanda, ethnicity was included on the national ID card there, and it was very, very useful in the genocide that was committed there. So I don't think that the U.S. is heading that direction, but it's so important to avoid that kind of system being put in place because our future is uncertain, and it could be 50 or 60 years from now that something's going on, and if everybody's identified by race and ethnicity, it's very concerning. Just one more element of that, of course, is that corporations and governments would be able to associate race and ethnicity more easily with all of our transactions as they scan the cards in the course of a sale or application for benefits or anything like that. They would have race and ethnicity right there for the reading, and that's inappropriate in a society that aspires to be colorblind. Can revisions to this law do away with some of the problems that you mentioned? It would certainly be possible to try revising the law, but more likely the scales should fall from people's eyes and they should recognize that identification doesn't provide the national security that everyone assumes. It might make it harder. Real ID would, I think in fairness, make it slightly harder to get a fake ID. But once you've gotten that fake ID, you'd be inside the system. And to the extent that we relied on identification for security, we might be less safe using Real ID as a security system. Perhaps Real ID would raise the price to illegal immigrants of getting legitimate documentation. The cost of corrupting a a DMV employee might rise from $2,000 to $2,500 or $3,000. But there are going to be tracks laid for getting illegal documentation And the fix has to come from immigration law reform and not from putting a national ID into the hands of all the law-abiding citizens. Have states been compliant, or are they resisting this law? The majority of states are really resisting the law. So far, Maine and Idaho have voted in both houses of their legislatures not to comply with Real ID. And more than half of states' legislation has been offered up and passed, you know, one house or the other. So it looks like states won't comply. It's nearly impossible for them to comply. Uh, especially when they look at the dollar costs and the federal government's provided no, effectively no monetary support for this. They're saying, hey, we've got budgets to balance here in the states, and we can't do it while we implement this thing. So states are really starting a rebellion that's being heard now in Congress. I testified in Congress at the first hearing ever on Real ID. There were no hearings in Congress before it was passed, so Congress does need to reconsider this. What does Senator Akaka have to say about this? Well, Senator Akaka, along with Senator Sununu, are leaders on this issue because they have now, in for the second Congress in a row, introduced legislation to repeal Real ID and restore the identification security provisions that were in the earlier 911 Commission-inspired bill. I think that's the most appropriate step, the most uh, politically acceptable and sensible step, although I would argue that, and do argue, that identification doesn't provide that much security. The 911 Commission only uh, made a cursory statement about it, and we should analyze it even more carefully than that, uh, perhaps finding that we don't need any kind of national identification policies at all.